Good morning, everyone. Welcome to 93.7 The Fan. It's a cloudy Saturday, but just one day before a string of good days. Joel Nelson is behind the glass taking your calls. And thank you for the kind intro, Joel. He'll be here until 12, and then we have a line change coming up at that point when Nick Alice comes in. But call 412-928-9370 and air your opinions. We have two hours of open talk, and you can also... Text us on the Edgar Snyder and Associates fan text line. It's the same as the call-in line, 412-928-9370. Edgar Snyder and Associates reminds you to text responsibly. Twitter on 93.7 The Fan is brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Peter Township. Or visit them online at southhillsjeep.com. Our show is brought to you by PNC Bank. Make today the day. PNC Bank. Also brought to you by Number One Cochrane, where we always ride in style. Shop 24-7 with Expressway at Cochrane. Dot com. All right, call. Let's go. We'll talk about the Steelers' schedule. What do you think? Predictions. Everybody likes to make these predictions. It's hard to gauge. I, uh, some thoughts about this thing. Four primetime games, but only two on Thursday night, which is too many to me. I, Thursday night football, I get what the NFL is trying to do. They're trying to make everything uh, you know, big on every day of the week. They, they even have a Black Friday event now coming up on a yearly basis. So they want to make the... Amazon product better, which is why they're considering all this flexing of games later, which is a disservice to fans, I think. But it's all about eyeballs on television screens and anything else that can certainly uh, bring you the information you're looking for with the NFL. They know what they're doing. There's no question about that. But I think it does put a little bit of a tax on the fans who do travel to these games. Some very interesting matchups for the Steelers as well. We'll go through this game by game as we go along. But when you look at it, again, first glance, knowing what the Steelers have done, expecting guys to you know come in and play right off the bat, perhaps, what does that mean? Well, they better get off to a good start because they have three of their final four on the road, which is not going to be easy for them to do. And they have a chance to get off to a good start. Two games right off the bat at home, one against 49ers. Um, overall, it looks 10-7, 11-6 and six to me. Um that would be what I look at right now, but it could change, obviously. There's a lot going on in the next several months leading up to training camp, and then uh, the first three preseason games, which we're happy to say we have all of them on KDK TV, and looking forward to that with Charlie Batch, uh, to do those games and to see what some of these guys can show you heading into their first game against San Francisco. Interesting way to start the season. San Francisco coming to Pittsburgh, a home game to start. And to me, the number one focus on that game, in addition to, you know, the quarterback play, which is always going to be under scrutiny, Kenny Pickett versus maybe Brock Purdy versus maybe Sam Darnold versus maybe Trey Lance. I don't know what they're going to do uh, with San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan made a couple of comments about why he was glad to take on the Eagles later in this season, and you could read a lot into it. He said basically that, I want to make sure our team is completely healthy before we play Philadelphia. Well, what does that mean? They're not going to be healthy in week one. Who won't be? Will it be Brock Purdy? They got some stuff to sort out there. But the biggest storyline to me, aside from the quarterbacks, and of course all eyes on Matt Canada, is the left tackle position. Because you have the reigning defensive player in the year coming in, and Nick Bosa. And he'll be lining up against either Dan Moore Jr., who was last year's starter and played every single snap, or... The number one pick for the Steelers at 14, Broderick Jones. You would think on paper that it should be Jones. He's brought in 
first round. It's the first offensive tackle drafted by the Steelers in 27 years. That's how much they thought of him. Marquise Bouncy started right off the bat. They're going to expect him to come in and make a statement. But keep in mind that you don't have many opportunities to do that in what we're going to see this weekend, which is rookie uh, minicamp. Josh Roundtree's on his way down there. That guy works a lot of hours at Josh Roundtree. And he'll be back later with the North Shore Tavern leadoff show. So, um, you know, the bottom line is, will he have enough time in training camp? They're basically 15 tackles or 15 practices. Not many feature tackling, not many feature pads. There will be at times. And you have three preseason games to judge him and if he's ready to go. That's a daunting way to, to start your NFL career. If you do beat out Dan Moore, and I still look at that as a competition to at least start, then Broderick Jones is going to right off the bat delve into Nick Bosa. Now, the good thing for Broderick Jones is that he will have an opportunity to line up in practice against T.J. Watt, who was the year before his defensive player of the year. So he will get everything he needs to know and see from the guy who can do it in T.J. Watt to apply that to Nick Bosa in week one. So that will be one of my most interesting storylines for sure. I want to see how they do in that situation um, and how they contain him. You know, Dan Moore, you can say what you want about him, but 33 of 34 games he started. That's not bad for a fourth-round pick who's not expected to come in and immediately start. Well, he was given that opportunity. And, yes, he allowed seven sacks last year. He was penalized a lot. I think it was ten times. That's got to reduce. But he has the experience. And the question will be, if you trust Broderick Jones in week one, do you? And can he be effective against Nick Bosa? Then you have the third-round pick who's uh, – or the – fourth-round pick in Darnell Washington, who looks like a member of the offensive line. He, he, to me, he looks like and, and talks as if he wants to be more of a blocker than a pass receiver, although he can be very effective in that passing game, which I expect them to exploit. They will use it. They will take advantage of it. But he's also very good at the point of attack, which to me puts a lot of pressure on Najee Harris. We can talk about Kenny Pickett. Obviously, as the quarterback, you expect him to take uh, a leap forward this year. Dan Miller on our Twitter hits me up and says, Kenny Pickett must have a good year. Uh, that's true. He has to. You define good year to me. I define them in wins. I want to see how this team does. But I think Najee Harris is the guy more than anyone who has to have – they've lined up this offensive line to be deeper, better, and more physical. That to me means they want to run the ball and have in-your-face kind of attitude when it comes to the run game, which should make life, if it works, easier for Kenny Pickett as well. 412-928-9370 is the number to call if you'd like to opine about that because I know a lot of people want to talk about the fact that some of these guys should come in and immediately start. Broderick Jones would be one of them. Second-round pick, Joey Porter. Should he come in and start immediately? Well, you know, he's basically a first-round pick, number 32 overall, and they do need help over there. Now, certainly Patrick Peterson's a guy who could come in and play immediately and will play immediately. What about Joey Porter Jr.? Can he come in immediately and end up being a starter? To me, the odds are not in his favor to do that, but eventually he will play, and he'll play a lot, make no mistake about it. But I don't know about week one. Again, San Francisco is one of those offenses. For a rookie to try to figure out, they do a lot of misdirection stuff. They try to get the ball in George Kittle's hands, They and they have playmakers all over the place. It puts a lot of pressure on a defense. So I don't know if that's going to be the call for him just because week one is a tough one right off the bat. We'll see. And then after that, Keanu Benton. Uh, 
as a third round pick. This is a guy who is, you know, has wrestling background. I always like that. You know, I always like that with defensive guys who have wrestling backgrounds because I think they know how to maneuver in there in tight situations to try to escape, use your hands, use your legs, leverage, all that stuff. He needs to play a lot this year. I don't know right off the bat if that's the case. Can he beat out who they have on the roster? He should be able to, but you never know. Keep in mind that Javon Hargrave, who the Steelers will also see in week one, now a member of the 49ers, was a third-round pick and made his mark right off the bat. Um, South Carolina State, and he became very good and got a lucrative deal with Philly and now has a lucrative deal with the 49ers. So, you know, Keanu Benton can do it. And then, of course, you know, you you go after that and you have uh, Washington, who I think will be a big part of their run game when he's in there. But I also think that he can do some things over the middle and be a mismatch for a lot of guys. So on paper, it looks very interesting, and we'll go through the schedule, as I say, at 412-928-9370. You also want to get into um, you know, some of the stuff going on with the Washington football team. Daniel Snyder, just two years ago, after Jim Ursay, I think it was, or somebody out there, one of the owners, maybe it was Jerry Jones, challenged him about getting rid of the team. He was quoted as saying, I will never sell the franchise. And he emphasized the word never. Well, guess what he's doing? He is selling the franchise. So Washington, pending, you know, all the votes here by the owners, and they will meet again coming up here, I think, at the end of this month. Uh, by the time they roll into FedEx Field, which they don't like, and I'm sure the new ownership group led by Josh Harris, who, by the way, is an equity guy. He has wealth management on his side, so he has a lot of money, knows how to make things happen. He's also the owner of the 76ers and the Devils. So he's going to have the, high, you know, the trifecta of leagues covered here. But that's a $6 billion say. I don't know what the Denver Broncos sold for last year, but it, I know it wasn't $6 billion. But the price of the stuff keeps going higher and higher. So Daniel Snyder has finally decided he's going to sell it, which is probably good because he was not a good owner. If you're in Washington, you wanted him to get rid of this a long time ago. So that's an interesting development in the NHL or the NFL as well. As far as the NHL, uh, if you want to talk about some of the stuff going on there, that's fine. And now that Toronto's been eliminated, people are immediately pointing – to their GM as possibility of being a candidate here in Pittsburgh. But if you're looking at Toronto, you know, people are going to always say, why would you go after him? Because Toronto, you know, the longest Stanley Cup droughts, they head up the list. They haven't won it once since 1967, not counting teams that came into the league after that. The Sabres and the uh, Canucks have never won. But uh, that's a lot of time without a Stanley Cup. And they didn't even make it, you know, I remember who was – there was, a, there was an AHL Zamboni driver who came in and beat him in a playoff. Was it last year or the year before? There's all, I mean, these kinds of things happen to Toronto. Would you be interested in him at 412-928-9370? In the meantime, it's going to be Hurricanes-Panthers. Who saw that coming, especially the Panthers, in the Eastern Conference Finals? The Western Conference Finals will have the Kraken-Stars Game 6, and then the Oilers-Vegas the Vegas Golden Knights Game 6 coming up. So that's still yet to be determined. Could it very well be two expansion franchises going into the Western Conference Finals. Let us know what you think for that. Uh, one other note, the Cleveland Browns did trade for Zadarius Smith. They're trying to make a play this year because they don't have a lot of equity in terms of draft capital moving forward. They're going to try to win now if they can. And he's a guy who is a three-time Pro Bowler, yes, but his second half of last year was really not that good. He fell apart, actually. He had nine sacks in the first nine games and then one sack the rest of the way. But Cleveland traded for him, and so they'll have him to add to what is a very good defense. 412-928-937. Let's go to line one. That is the counselor. Hello, counselor. How are you? Counselor? Hey, sorry. Um, 
How are you today? Good. Uh, What's up? Listen, um, my uh, thing on the Pirates is I think they got to do something about, I don't know if it's Andy Rodriguez or Henry Davis. They got to be up sooner rather than later because they need some stick in that lineup. I, I just don't see it them getting out of this uh, situation with uh, what they have at, as of right now. I don't so what do you, su- you you suggest what then? How, tell me well, how it would work and who you would replace and how and you know your well, whole plan. Well, I need to bring up like I said, whatever you they think is more ready to play, yeah. Andy Rodriguez or Henry Davis. You need some more bat power in that lineup. Okay, that's all I can say. Because or you know, but it's not necessarily. Just, it doesn't necessarily translate from Double A to the majors. I mean, it might. Uh, he is 23 years old. He's a former number one overall pick, which to me makes it, you know, ex- the expectation should be on him being up here sooner rather than later. But, you know, hitting, uh, you know, I don't know how many bats he has at double A, but he doesn't have many, and, and he's been great. He should at least be moved up to triple A where they can use DH and they can split the time between him and Andy Rodriguez. But I don't know if he can immediately jump to, to major league pitch. He might, and, and – to support your argument, if he does, then you're ahead of the game. But if he doesn't, you could, you know, they're always worried about well, hurting their Andy confidence. Rodriguez, if it's Andy Rodriguez who's more ready, then bring up Andy Rodriguez. Well, he's younger than Davis. Well, I understand that. I'm just saying I don't know which of the two is more ready. Look, all I'm saying is I don't see anything else as a situation, although I think hmm, that uh, Derek Shelton made a a couple of mistakes last night, but that's the way it goes. But, you know. Well, again, they didn't get much offense. a lot of those mistakes, too. Yeah. Thanks, Counselor. Appreciate the call. They didn't get much uh, offense, and so, therefore, they're looking for any way they can get it. Um, You know, but the bottom line is they may not have the answers, regardless if Davis comes up and even plays well here on this roster this year consistently to be where they need to be. They've already fallen out of first place. They were 1-11 and 11 in their last 12. And, again, the major culprit, two of them, they haven't hit the ball well at all with runners in scoring position. And they didn't do much last night uh, in a one-run game in the eighth inning. All of a sudden, uh, you know, you get a situation where the guy comes up and hits a, a home run, Cedric Mullins, who hits for the cycle, uh, and that's a three-run home run and a critical one about – Dwayne Underwood. And I, I have my doubts about the Pirate bullpen now longer term. I get the end part of it, but then in the middle, man, goodness, we haven't seen a lot of them because there have been so many starters have gone six innings plus. Now all of a sudden, when they're called in there, there's some very iffy performances, and Underwood has been around enough. He's he's heading for the uh, Devoskis Nevoraskis uh, route here, where he, you see him too much, you know what the result's going to be. Anyway, so, you know, I listen – they have larger problems than that, but I get what you're saying. They've put Davis in the outfield the last two games at Altoona. There's a reason for that. Maybe he's not going to be their catcher of the future, but if he get hit, they do have the DH up here too. You can always come up and give him a lot of at-bats either in AAA or here if you want to do that. They're going to ultimately decide. You know, I was looking back. Will Smith is another college catcher. He now plays for the Dodgers. He was a first-round pick of L.A. in 2016. He made his debut with the Dodgers three years later. So that's 2019, and he has been a mainstay ever since. Um, but I looked at his AAA numbers, and he he did spend time in AAA, and he had 20 home runs before they called him up. Uh, at the very least, I think Davis deserves to get to AAA level. You know, that's got to be the way it goes. Um, and if not, then I don't know what they're doing. 
because he is the first overall. He's 23. At what point are you going to bring him up here? 412-928-9371. One more call before we go to break, and that would be Greg in Youngstown. Greg, what's up? Hey, Bob. How's it going? Good. What's up, man? Hey, you know, here's the problem with the Pirates. We have all these first-round draft picks sitting in the minors right now. All the, we, have, we have a lot of first-rounders. When are you going to start bringing these guys up? When they're 30 years old? And if they're not any good, then a GM who drafted these guys who it should be gone. I mean, you can't wait till they're 30 years old or 27 years old. Well, first of all, they, they do have a lot of talent. That's your first comment, and you're right. They do have a potential lot of talent in their minor league system. Um, how soon they get up here is going to determine, you know, when this team actually takes a leap forward, and it may not be this year. I think everyone got excited about this start at 20-8, and eight, and then all of a sudden our reality is set in, and here they are three games over 500, not in first place anymore, and they have issues. So I don't know if all of them are, are, are going to solve problems right now. I mean, they I would put some of them on the faster track than they seem to want to do. I, I'm okay with that. Okay, Bob. Okay, Hayes at third base. He can't hit. Okay, we drafted a third baseman. These corner positions got to hit home runs. I know you guys love defending this guy somehow. I'm not defending him. I've been, okay, but I, I don't. I say he's out. been terrible def- offensively. I get what he okay. uh, he asked, but he may not be. Listen, I remember a guy named Tommy Herr who played for the St. Louis Cardinals. He never hit much home runs, but he was a gap to gap guy, drove in over a hundred runs on two seasons. He was a second baseman. He I understand that, baseman. but he still was not a home run hitter, and he still drove in runs. If, if he, Brian he Hayes can hit two eighty and drive in seventy to ninety runs, he's even not going to do it. He's okay. not going to do You're it. You're probably right. Hitter. I haven't seen you, it. You, get, you guys are blinded by this guy. You know, here's not, my here's my uh, thing. What I would great. do. Okay. I would trade this guy now. Trade him now. Get, get somebody else. Yeah, you, trade him now when he's hitting 220. Thanks, Greg. That ain't going to happen. And bottom line here is that what do they? What do you expect them to do with him? He is a very good defensive player. Yes. He's a very average offensive player. Yes. You would hope that by you know his weaknesses are magnified by the fact that they don't have anyone else doing anything. Sawinski's once-in-a-while home run. That's it. You know, you don't get a lot of consistent – I would hope you'd see more consistency from him, not just a home run one every three, four, five games. I want to see hit gap-to-gap driving people, not strike out as much. There are a lot of guys with a lot of flaws. Uh, I understand. But what are you going to do with – you're just not going to play him? You gave him $80, $70 million, whatever it was. You got you got You better hope he does something offensively because my patience with him from that point of view is thin, like most people. 412-928-9370. That is the number to call. We're just getting started, as I say. Thank you to PNC Bank. Make today the day at PNC. Number one Cochrane, go in style. Ride with number one Cochrane. 24-7 with Expressway at Cochrane.com. They have 19 different car – uh, franchises, you can find whatever you want, and you can also buy them. You can also go in, and they'll buy yours. They do everything at Number One Cochran. Rolling right along on a dreary-looking Saturday, but we're glad you joined us here at four one two nine two eight ninety three seventy. We are on to one o'clock, taking all your opinions. So I asked this question too: of the Steeler offensive people that you know going into the season, who has the most pressure on? That person, is it Kenny Pickett? Is it Najee Harris? Is it Matt Canada, who now seems to have a lot of things at his disposal? 412-928-9370. Ed in Kennedy Township has been waiting patiently. Hey, Ed, how are you? Good. Hey, uh, I spoke to the JR Sports Brief. Uh, did you have anything to do with him speaking at Point Park? No. Did not. He spoke there in the Pittsburgh Courier. Okay. Good. Part of the CBS um, family. Hey, I'm disappointed in the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I go back to San Francisco Warriors, Rick Barry and Nate Thurman and that gang. 
they, they couldn't beat LeBron. Well, there was a big disparity uh, in, in foul shots. Uh, the Lakers got a ton of them compared to what – and I know they play a different game. I mean, listen, they're going to go to LeBron. They're going to go to Anthony Davis, and they're going to try to get fouled, go to the line. They have some really good contributors now. I think Reeves has been really good in his role and others as well. So uh, I give the Lakers a lot of credit. They got in as a playing team. In fact, two of them are, are still alive. Miami did the same thing as a playing team in the East, so – uh, yeah, Golden State, they've won a lot sooner or later. They didn't have – I didn't think they were going to be the team. I thought it would be Sacramento, so I was wrong too. But thank you, Ed. I you know, Clay Thompson only had like seven points last yeah. night. Do you think the Warriors are, are finished at the end of the line I now? think they're going to make changes. Yes, I do. Because I think it, you can only run so much. You know, I mean, the Penguins have had to deal with that and still do uh, moving forward. Thank you, Ed. Got to roll along. We got Nathan who joins us in his truck. Nathan, what's going on? Hey, hey, Bob. How's it going, man? Good, thanks. Uh, quick question. Uh, I, I and a friend of mine, we are trying to find out, figure out what exactly changed in the Pirates season so far this year. What, what have other teams picked up on that we as fans just can't easily see that has led to this this skid that we're in? I, I, I would love to just understand what you think about it. Well, number one, I think they were hitting over their heads. So I think the, uh, other teams. You know, they face some really good – Toronto's pitching staff is really good. Tampa Bay's pitching staff is really good. That That's where this started, and then it's just gotten worse since then. And I also think their starting pitching has just not been good about hitting the zone as much as they did in their first several starts. When they went 20-8, and they had one of the best starting ERAs in all of baseball. Since then, it's one of the worst. So those things, some sloppy base running, some sloppy – you mix it all together and you end up with 1-11. and 11. So that's where they are. But I think more yeah. than anything, they face some really good young pitchers who took note of what they were doing because when you're 20-8, and eight, the teams in the, your division are going to look at you and try to figure out how to, how to neutralize some of the guys who were hitting the best. And they've done that. Yeah. And, and so I, I just think just, it's the perfect storm of everything happening um, that, that went against the Pirates in this stretch. Do you think do you think they can snap out of it? Not to the, the level think- that they did before. Again, I I, I stuck okay. to my seventy nine win prediction because I thought there'd be some improvement. And I still think there will be and has been, but not enough to do anything more than that. So you know, I think they're going to be okay. what they are, which is an average uh, or less than average baseball team this year. And and they don't have many answers brewing, uh, despite what you know. Um, Greg from Youngstown said the only guy that I think is you know, capable of adding to their offense right now would be Henry Davis, but I don't think they're willing to put him from double A. And they've done that with other players. As a number one overall pick, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. I I, I would be welcome to see that. I want Because they have a DH. With DH, you can do a lot of things. And if he's not the catcher every day, so be it. At least it's bad. If it's hot and right now it's hot, I don't know if they're going to make that move or not. That'd be awesome. All right, thanks. Thanks, Nathan. All right, you have a good day at 412-928-9370. We'll go to Jim in Wilkinsburg. Jim, welcome to the Bob Pompiani Show. How are you this morning? Yeah, not bad yourself. Look, I, I kind of disagree with you with the starting pitching. Now, those 11, uh, 11 losses or whatever, he had five or six quality starts, so that's no, you didn't. a good thing. I not think. in there, you didn't. Well, you look at last night, Bob. Uh, you, 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 you're, you lose the game 6-3. to three. You bring, you take out your starting pitcher. You bring in a relief pitcher who shuts them down. The very first move that you you would think that even get the relief pitcher would be given a second chance to go out there and at least face one batter. He pulls the guy. You bring in a, re, a second relief pitcher. Boom, boom, boom. 
And that's basically been the way the season has been going. So, uh, you know, I, I watch all the games, just like you do. And uh, I don't think that there's that much, that many bad starts among these starting pitchers. There we have, well, I would we beg to differ with you. Oviedo finally played one good, Jim. I think Rich Hill was bomb. You know, he only lasted three and two-thirds in his last outing. Um, you know, Keller's the only one who's been consistently good at this, I think, at this point. Uh, we'll see what Contreras can do. He's been up and down. That's the whole key. When they were winning. You also have to You also have to look at, you know, the errors that you're making, the bad plays that's being made. All of those, all of those things contributed to these young pitchers being in those type situations. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, uh, defend, you know, uh, uh, you know, their bad starts. They have them, but you also have some orange in there that are very, very good. That that should be, uh, you know, should be given a lot more support. Than I that. hear what you're saying, Jim. Thank now you. We're looking for offense. I watched Mitchell last year. Why isn't he up here? Because he's struggling. You know, where are these guys? I, I, is he injured? I'm is he injured? Is he? He was, he but now he's struggling. There, I mean, you got to you got to look at realistically what they have there. And thank you again for the call. They're not. This is a correction was coming. They were not a 20 and eight baseball team, and I think we said that here on the Cook and Joe Show as soon as they got to that point when they went into. Now, you know, if they had gone six and five over or seven and five or six and six over the last twelve, they'd still be in first place. They weren't even playing at that level. They they started to fall apart. Now the the problems they have are many, and how they can solve them, well, it's going to take some time because it's, it's the same people on this roster. They're not going to make drastic changes to this roster at this point. They need Brian Hayes to get better as a hitter, without a doubt. They've got an inconsistent performance at shortstop ever since O'Neill Cruz left with injury. Their catching situation delays better, but he's still not great. But if Hedges is going to play, he hits 140. You know, all of a sudden Santana's in a little bit of a slump. Suwinski's very erratic. McCutcheon's consistent enough. And Reynolds has gone through a little bit of a downturn ever since his hot start. So, uh, listen, it's it was due for correction. I didn't see one this big this quickly, but that's what they are. Let's go out to Luigi in the South Hills area. What's up, Luigi? Hey, Bob. How you doing, bud? Good to call you. Good to, Thank you for calling. Good to have you. Yeah, hey, I just wanted to say um, people got to keep in mind about the Pirates that we are a young team. We're developing. We we're not. We didn't win the World Series last year, or, or last ten years, or however long it's been. Or we last forty years. years develop. They're going to struggle. That's part of the learning experience. Yeah, but I, I, I think. Pittsburgh... I think what happens, Luigi, is people are just tired of the same thing over and over and over. You can understand well, that. So I certainly I, am too. I, I'm going to wait for the development and wait for them to grow. I get I mean, it. It's not going to happen overnight. What these people? What are these people looking at? Well, I think they got you know, bamboozled into a 28 start, thinking this is going to be the way it's going to be. It's not. Uh, it's not they were never going to play that at that level. They're young. All right, but they're you young, expect. You let them develop. Okay, how long do you expect before Brian Hayes turns out to be a consistent hitter? He's been here probably another two years. All right. this year, maybe next year. Well, you're you know, giving him an awful lot of rope, of and he has that contract now will mean he's going to be out there every single day, and he's a very good defensive player. He saves runs. He's one of the best at it. But at some point on a team that's bereft of talent, you better come up with some clutch inning in situations, and they haven't been able to do it. So I understand it's that, him. but you also got – it also takes time, Bob. They don't – They don't. you just don't become a clutch hitter the first, you know, first 
couple months you step in there the first year, you, you got to get used to the way people pitch, and you know you got to develop your swing and, and your and all that type of stuff. That that's all goes with baseball. It's a learning process. I get it, but I look around the league and I see a lot of people, Luigi, who are 21, 22 years old and budding stars. Uh, the Pirates. Not so much. They have guys who are younger. I want to see him. I thought Swaggerty should have been up here. I would have liked to see yeah. him play. By going out and getting veterans like McCutcheon, like Santana, like uh, G-Man Choi, you're plugging up with one-year guys. And sometimes those guys happen to take at-bats away from younger guys. They're not willing to give some of those guys opportunities this fast. And, and I understand that to a large degree, but I also understand why people get impatient with them. It's the same but script, also, and it's Bob, also kicking the can to the – I get guys. it. I get it. They no question. from them guys. Yeah, but you can learn only if you're on the roster. If you're in the minors because they're on the yes, roster and you're not, I don't know who you can it, learn but from. The guys that are up there on the team can learn from them and get pointers and get – that's that's how it is. The veterans always teach the younger guys, or that's how it should be. But, you know, I mean, you just got to get out there and play. But I, I don't think because we got a 20-8 and eight start that we're going to the damn World Series. Everybody's living in a fantasy well, world. I, I agree with you that, Luigi. We'll end on that note. i got to move along to Dan in the North Hills. Okay. So thank, thank you for you. calling. I appreciate it. Now, this is what happens yeah. when you get a baseball team that does this and goes in slumps. Let's go to Dan in the North Hills. What's up, Dan? How are you? Hey, Bob. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Hey, the Buccos were 20-8. and eight. What a great start. What the heck happened in the last two weeks? Reality. They- That's what happened. I mean, what happened? you didn't think they were going to have that sort of pace. It's a 114-win pace. They weren't going to have that. Okay, but now they're on a one and twelve pace. What's going on? Is it the ownership? It's a correction. It's a correction, just like it was going to happen sooner or later. It's happened a lot sooner and a lot more in uh, an abundance than I would have thought. But yeah, it's a correction. It's a roster that is an average roster right now. I don't think anyone's surprised by that. I heard some guy on here said he wanted to trade Key Brian Hayes now, and I think that's a great idea. How would you? What would you get for Key Brian Hayes now, though? What would you get? He can't hit very well. No, you'd get somebody. What's the point? You signed him. You got to believe. They must have believed. Now he's just got. It's on him to get better offensively. What was the point of signing him to that contract? Though it's not any proof that he's any good. Well, the proof was he's a good defensive player, and they believed his bat would come along. But if you look at his minor league numbers and his major league numbers, over two thousand at bats. I think that's a pretty good sample size to make a judgment. And the judgment is he's not the kind of hitter that you would have expected from a third baseman. But can he be successful as a gap-to-gap hitter? Yes, and he needs to do more of that. I was talking to my dad, and I said, we need a catcher that can hit. We never had a catcher since Don Slott that could hit. Well, they got a couple in their system, but they also have roadblocks in front of them in the names of Jason DeLay and Austin Hedges, and I think they're waiting. These guys are only here for a little bit of time. Then it's going to be Andy Rodriguez and um, Henry Davis. So – Thanks, Dan. Well, yeah, yeah, good. Elliot, What's that? What about Elias Diaz? We had him and got no, rid of him. He was yeah, good. Yeah, he's gotten better since he left. But, no, they don't yeah. have him anymore. Thanks, Did Dan. i got to go to a break. Uh, 412-928-937. We have Bill. We have Roland, Frank, Rich, Dennis, and Big Earn all coming up. I'll try to get to you as soon as we can here on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. want to, again, remind you, uh, thanks to PNC Bank. Make today the date. Go to PNC Bank. Ask them about their virtual wallet. It is a game changer. Also, number one, Cochrane. Shop 24-7 with Expressway at Cochrane.com. And the fan wants you to visit your youth baseball and softball teams in action with the Pittsburgh Pirates, parents, and coaches. Send an email to the station here at youthsports at 937thefan.com to register your teams, ages 12 and younger. 
93.7 The Fan may be taking a stop to see your game or tournament. Brought to you by Living Treasures of Laurel Highlands. Back with more right after this. Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. Brought to you by PNC Bank. Make today the day. Number one Cochrane. Shop 24-7 with ExpresswayCochrane.com. A lot of people on the lines. Let's get to them. Dennis, first up this segment from Uniontown, PA. What's up, Dennis? Hey, Bob. What's going on? Good. Uh, two, two things I want to address, uh, Bob. Number one, uh, Hedges 140. Uh, no excuse, Bob. I don't care what he frames. Uh, no excuse. That, no, you got to get rid of that. Bring up Davis. Bring up, and I'll go a step further, Bob. Bring up Andy Rodriguez. Put him on first. Santana, 38-year-old, playing first, taking the bats away. Uh, the guy has, first of all, Bob, what is we're going on, what, 40 games, two homers? That's what, one homer every 20 games? Yeah, and that's that, and Hayes back. has less. Hayes has yeah, one. Well, yeah, Bob, I, you, you you always hit it on the head with Hayes. I could totally, I totally agree. You say guys like Austin Riley down in Atlanta. I mean, these guys are just not even the same thing. And the second thing, Bob, the approach with the umpires, with the calling, I've never seen a team to hold a bat on their shoulder, take a third called strike. And, Bob, I know you probably played Little League or whatever, we was always taught to protect the plate. I don't care if you had a choke up, filed a ball off to you, found a pitch or whatever. There is no excuse for that either, Bob. They strike out way they do. too much. Dennis, thank you. I will say this about that. And the umpiring has been very erratic. That's not to defend them, but it's also to tell you that it's been very erratic. And I thought it was again last night. Uh, if you're a batter and you're uncertain what the umpire is going to be calling – this is why I think next year you will see robotic umpires, robotic uh, electronic strike zones, and I think it's time probably for that. Uh, you you can't anticipate what the guy's going to call, whether it's high, low, inside, outside, if it's erratic and you're not sure. That makes you swing at everything. gives a huge advantage to the pitcher, I think. Also, it can hurt a pitcher, though, who's getting squeezed. We haven't seen that as much as we have, I think, some really bad high high balls that are called strikes, low so I, I think we saw a little bit of that again last night. Let's go to Big Earn in Jefferson Hills. What's up, Earn? How you doing, Bob? Good. What's up? Hey, I want to talk about uh, the pirate hitting coach, Andy Haynes. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand why he is still employed. I mean, I know they started out hitting at the beginning of the year, but uh, they, they look they look lost, and uh, some of it's got to fall on him. I mean, after two. 100 lost seasons. Um, I'm not seeing a lot of growth from the younger guys. Um, I don't know. It's just frustrating. Like, why is he still the hitting coach of the Pirates? Well, because I don't see anything positive. I, I saw positives to the first 28 games. Haven't seen much in the last 12 games. I think it's, I think you got to let that go a little bit until it – we'll see. Uh, it's too early for me to make any of those kind of decisions because I think they yeah, work at it every single day. I think it also falls on players and the talent of the players too. You can blame coaches all you want, but still, it's about what those guys do, in, especially with runners in scoring position, and they're not doing a good seems, job there. It just seems like there's no answers. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, the league has figured, figured things out with the Pirates, and they're hitting, and they've adjusted, but there's no adjustments made on the Pirates' behalf. Well, let's you see know? what they do. Now that they've gone into this slump, a uh, massive slump, let's see how they come out of it. Thanks, Aaron. We'll get, we'll get to that another day, but I don't think this is the time to do it. In the meantime... Roland joins us from Cashel Shannon. Hey, Roland, what's up? Hey, Bob, big fan of yours, as you know. Thank you, and man. I just want to 
get your permission. Are we allowed to talk about the Steelers on? Please your show? do. What do you mean? I'm. I let it up to whoever calls. You. It's. It's a potpourri of, and I love talking about it. I have a whole list of things I want to talk about. But I'm glad you brought them up. Go ahead. Well, I'll start it off with. I've never looked forward to a Steelers training camp and listen to you and Charlie do preseason games more than this year. Uh, it's certainly the most exciting offseason I can remember. You know, I'm, a, I'm an older guy, so I go back to the 70s and the heyday of the Steelers. But the expectation coming into this year with all the new toys is off the charts. So I can't wait to see how these guys do. And I want to hear you talking about fights up in St. Vincent between the O-line and the D-line with all these studs they have in. Do you think there's going to be some uh, competition, some friendly, f- family and friendly uh, competition between the lines? I wouldn't call it friendly in training camp. I think you're right. I think that's the kind of stuff they look forward to. And then you make amends, but it's all said and done. Those guys are battling for positions. I think their defensive line wants to be meaner. I think their offensive line wants to be more physical and meaner. You're going to see some of that, and that's good. And I agree with you. And, you know, I, I go into a lot of people who say, ah, why not? preseason football, why watch? I said, why watch? Are you kidding? You can, you're going to get, a, you're going to watch either Broderick jo- uh, Jones come up and, and make a statement to be the starter or not. You're going to watch Joey Porter Jr. in coverage a lot. If you're looking for assessments on how these guys are going to do, that's the ultimate uh, stage that you want to be on the preseason. That's why it's important. That's why the ratings are good on it because a lot of these guys haven't been seen in this situation before. So, and this includes Kenny Pickett year two and how they're going to do with some of their new toys. So I, I like you, I'm looking forward to it a lot. And then followed up. I love the way the season starts out. The first four games, they have uh, opponents. They're all good, good opponents, certainly on paper, but they all have questions at quarterback, which the Steelers don't have. So with the 49ers at home, it's nice to get a, a home opener. AFC North on primetime on Monday night against Cleveland. Again, a good test with, you know, all the toys and all the weapons and the different formations the Steelers are going to use to start off with some AFC North. The only question with their quarterback, obviously, is the rust from last year and him uh, having an offseason to work with his team. And then – they got the Raiders with the new quarterback and Jimmy G again, primetime Sunday night on the road. And then uh, Houston with a rookie quarterback that's in a little bit of a disarray. So boy, Bob, it'd be very, very disappointing for them not to at least be three and one. I'd like to see them open up four and oh, and they're going to really need to stack some wins in well, the early part. I don't know about four and oh, Roland. And thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, I will say this. Uh, San Francisco, if you're going to play them, a good time is week one. I think that's a team that gets better as it goes along. They have injuries, and I don't know how their quarterback situation is going to play out. I said last week on this show, and I'm going to stick by it, Sam Darnold will win that job. I think in that offense, he's talented enough to do it. He won't see as many ghosts, and he will be effective. Uh, I'm not sure of Purdy's injury situation, but I think that's going to be the way they start. I think the Steelers can win that game right off the bat at home. Uh, San Francisco's a good team, make no mistake, lots of weapons. But I think if you're going to get them, get them early when they're still trying to figure themselves out. That's what happened with their team last year. They started very, very, you know, weak, uh, you know, and then they put it together as the year went on. As far as Cleveland, that's a home game. I love that right off the bat. And I do think we're going to find out a lot about Deshaun Watson in year number two. Um, You know, I think they could win that one. They can also lose that one. I could see both on that. But I'll go with 2-0 to start. I think they're going to lose at Vegas. I just there's something about going out there. They got you know Jimmy Garoppolo, who's been an efficient regular season quarterback. 
And I think they can beat Houston. So I see three and one to start. That's at Houston. Don't know how their quarterback situation is going to plan out, especially early in the season. When you look at the end of their season, this is where it gets a little complicated to me because they have some very good teams at the end and all on the road. They end with at Seattle and at Baltimore. That's you know hopefully they'll have some things pretty much in their control before they get to that point. But before that, they have Cincinnati at home. So that's a tough way to end the season with Cincinnati at home at Seattle at Baltimore. But it should make for a fascinating season. It always is. It's the most anticipated season uh, or you know league in sports. People love the NFL. Let's go to Rich in Forest Hills. Hey, Rich, how you doing? Hey, good, Bob. Uh, always good talking to you. I know you're up against the break. I got. Let me just make a couple of bullet points here. You know, the Pirates' best guys are on an A to F scale are Bs. I mean, they don't have any true on-the-radar dynamic superstars. Uh, we could argue about O'Neill Cruz, but, uh, um, you know, the, the other thing is their their first bunch of games were not against the uh, buzzsaw that their, their most recent bunch of games, they're never going to match up with the AL East. I mean, the AL East is just a killer. So those first group of games are not a barometer, neither is the second uh, – uh, bunch. Um, Shelton is not the answer. I uh, think they, uh, it was a very poor assessment of managerial ten, uh, talent extending him. Finance, uh, fundamentals are going to be part of their path to success. He doesn't impress me as strong in that area. And lastly, you know, you can't blame a backup catcher for what's going on with them. That said, wouldn't it be nice to have Brett Stable up here as a backup catcher while the two young guys are developing? Uh, they just gave that guy away. He's been very impressive with mm-hmm. San Francisco as a Rule 5 player. There ain't a, a chance in the world he's coming back. I mean, even if San Francisco heals all their wounds and all that from their poor start, uh, that guy is not going to lose a roster spot. So I think this is its just, you know, they're, they're better than last year, but they just don't have enough high-end talent to go out there and make as many mistakes as they make on the Bates pass and all that sort of stuff. They – they need to be very, very uh, solid fundamentally, or yep. they're just not and they got to get well pitched games deep into it. Thanks, Rich. That's a good assessment of where the Pirates are right now. And um, yeah, I don't think you'll get the Rule Five guy back at all after this. And and listen, they have two guys in their system that I'm anxious to see. It's just a question of when we're going to see it. And Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis. That's why he became expendable. But Bottom line is they need help there. You can't just have pitch framers behind home plate. Sorry. You got to have guys who can hit too, especially on a team that doesn't hit all that much. 